Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Breaking news, Jim Harbaugh leaving the 2023 national champion Michigan Wolverines, uh, heading to the Los Angeles Chargers, accepted the job there. Uh, This is a Wednesday night of recording that he accepted the job. We're going to be talking about maybe his legacy and the impact uh, on Michigan here. If you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Particularly, I want to highlight, follow us on Spotify, especially, um, if you can. Spotify has is, is kind of become the hub of where the podcast is. It's, it's the, the hosting platform. Obviously, if you're on Apple or Google or YouTube, Hit those up as well with, with YouTube. Please give a subscribe and give a like on the podcast. This is a, an audio podcast, not a video one, but you can find it on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe. We, we'd really appreciate that. Also, an opportunity um, on YouTube, you can do super chats. I can't do super chats yet, but if you like the podcast and you want to support it and you want to continue to build the brand, you can become what's called a monthly supporter. Uh, there, I think the giving levels are $0.99, cents, $4.99, and $9.99 a month. If you want to continue to see this podcast grow, if you're if that's something that you are interested in, we would love your support. You can go to uh, – the, the link is going to be in the bio or the, the description page. But if you like this podcast and you want to see the brand grow and you want to get behind it at all, uh, we'd love your support. So feel free to to check that out. It's uh, in the link, uh, the episode description. Make sure to check that out if you are interested. Let's talk about Jim Harbaugh. Obviously a polarizing season. He's a polarizing figure to begin with. But obviously things just looked looked weird with 2023. And I, I, I have tried to be as impartial as I can about this, the sign stealing stuff. And I'm not going to get a ton into that in this episode because I, I still want to withhold judgment until the NCAA actually does something. So there was a, a notice of allegations about the recruiting violations, but again, nothing has come down. There's just been a notice and it's 
there's even less in regards to what has happened with SignGate. So I know there's, there's several fan bases that probably want to hear me come down hard. I know a lot of other people are coming down hard on Jim Harbaugh. I'm not going to do that in this podcast. Certainly there will be a time for that if, you know, if things come down. A lot of people are comparing him to Pete Carroll, getting out of Dodge. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to go there yet. We'll go there when we need to. What I want to talk about though is just the legacy that he has had. And people forget that Jim Harbaugh before this um, fantastic run from 2021 to 2023, people forget that the narrative on Jim Harbaugh was one of failure and not not able to beat his rival. And I remember early on, you know, I I as an Ohio State fan felt like the minority because a lot of Ohio State fans for a long time before 2021 said we you know, we want Jim Harbaugh to be at Michigan lifetime contract. And my concern has always been with Jim Harbaugh, his ability to build the program. And while I think the Paul Feinbaums and so many others really ripped Jim Harbaugh for not being able to beat Ohio State, for not being able to win the Big Ten, for often having a lot of hype and not a lot of accolades, I always felt like Harbaugh was doing, he was building Michigan back back from the studs, studs up. And people forget that. People forget that Michigan was a third-tier program in terms of on-the-field results from 2007 to 2014. If you go back and look at the records, you know, Brady Hoke had the one New Year's Six Bowl. But then, you know, you go to 2007, the last year of Lloyd Carr, they lose to Appalachian State, which regardless of how good Appalachian State was, they were still a division, at the time, Division One AA team, an FCS team. It was a black mark on the program. It was, it was the first ever televised game on the Big Ten Network, and your premier program, one of your premier programs, gets beat by an FCS team. That is a black mark on the program. And then 2008, three and nine, Rich Rod takes over. It's awful. Brady Hoke comes in. He starts calling Ohio State Ohio because he's trying to make the rivalry good. Brady Hoke's a good coach, by the way. But he did not do a good job of recruiting. And that program tailed off. You know, they started out, I think, 11 and three, BCS win over. Uh, it wasn't a New Year's Six win. It was a BCS win over Virginia Tech, which people forget that Virginia Tech did a great job of getting to the BCS bowl games and then getting beat in the BCS bowl games. So, like, even the BCS bowl game that they won is kind of, it was like, okay, but you beat Virginia Tech. Okay, cool. Uh, then 2012, they get worse. 2013, they get worse. 2014, they don't make a bowl. 
Like this Michigan program was a mid-tier at best Big Ten program. Now, obviously, that wasn't that wasn't the cachet, that wasn't the oh, what do I, what do I want to say? The the fan base and the tradition and the prestige was still there. But I think I think a lot of people were concerned, rightfully, that Michigan's prestige and tradition and their ability to compete on the field was was mismatched. I think it's similar to what maybe a lot of Nebraska fans have felt for the past 25 years. And so you had this program on the ropes. Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer combined had lost two games to, to Michigan in 14 years, one of which was the worst season in Ohio, in Ohio State for in probably 40 years, like it was coming off sanctions. And then 2003, where Ohio State, uh, they, they legitimately beat a good Ohio State team that finished fourth in the country. So they really had one win over a good Ohio State team. They had, they had one Big Ten championship since 2004. Or since, uh, yeah, they had one Big Ten championship in that, times uh in that span that was 2004 right and even that that season felt like it it went on a on a whimper right like it they lost to Ohio State they got blown out against a honestly a rebuilding Ohio State team remember that's the Troy Smith uh coming out game and then they lost to Texas in a, a very good Rose Bowl where Vince Young went Vince Young on them and so they lost their last two games, and that was their last Big Ten championship. And so that's what Jim Harbaugh was walking into. A decade plus of, you know, at best, uh, mixed results. Jim Harbaugh comes in, and people forget, he did a great job with the 49ers. There were disagreements, obviously, with the front office, but he got him to a Super Bowl. And now he's at Michigan... And he starts his Michigan career at 10-3, and 6-2 and two in the Big Ten, and has a bowl win against the Florida Gators. They finish 11th and 12th in the polls, and all of a sudden, expectations are elevated. And from 2015 to 2019, they go 10-3, and 10-3, 8-5, 10-3, 9-4. Every year... They finish in the top 20 in the polls, except in 2017. I know it, it sounds crazy, but that was a massive improvement from what they were before Jim Harbaugh got there. The problem was they were dealing with a Death Star in Ohio State. Like if you if you compare them to Ohio State, right? Ohio State they they had the big double overtime uh, win in 2016. Ohio State goes to the playoff. 2017, you have Ohio State and you have Penn State, who are both very very good that year. 2018, you have Ohio State, who finishes number three in the country, and 2019 might have been the best Ohio State team of my lifetime. I know they didn't win a title, but 
in many ways, they felt generational. Uh, they just played two other very incredible teams in 2019. In 2019, LSU, and 2019, Clemson. Um, and they, they play, played Clemson, obviously. So that, that's what Michigan was going up against. And then you have 2020, the COVID year. Go two and four. Everybody knows that it's well documented. They they cancel the game with Ohio State. Whether there's shenanigans behind that, again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on it. But it was regardless, it was a disappointing season. Jim takes a, a pay cut despite the fact that he won ten games in three out of six seasons. He was never going to win ten games in 2020 because it was it was a shortened season. And then he comes back in 2021, beats Ohio State, wins the Big Ten, finishes number three in the country. 2022, goes 13-1, beats Ohio State, wins the Big Ten, gets to the playoff, finishes number three in the country. And then they win the Natty. So... The context of Jim Harbaugh is that he has put Michigan back in the realm of top-tier programs. And he had to do it. And I know people will say, well, he cheated to do it. And that very well may be. That very well may be. But you have to recognize that he showed what it takes to build a program and to build it to build a healthy infrastructure because despite all the bowl losses despite all you know all the smoke around Signgate you have to understand before that he was building a very strong program was he was he building a national championship program before that i don't know but let's recognize what he did do well which is he built a program from the kind of from the ashes. And part of the reason why I think a lot of people a lot of people I think maligned him is because he had such a good first year that everybody expected greatness in year 2 and they were inches short literally. And then it got harder because they, you know, they built to 2016 and then they lost a lot of their guys. And so 2017 was a little bit of a dip. And then 2018 and 2019 were good, not great. But this is this is just, I think, the reality of Jim Harbaugh. He did a great job of building a program. He did a great job building a program. Take, take Seingate out of it. The only losing season he had at Michigan was COVID, and COVID is very excusable. His worst season beyond that was 8-5. and five. For a team where I think they had three winning seasons in seven years prior to his arrival. And by the way, the Big Ten has gotten a lot better since Jim Harbaugh has come into the Big Ten. Now, part of that is Michigan – but like, look at how Penn State has improved. Remember, when Michigan was struggling, like Penn State was not great, right? As much as we like to give 
James Franklin a hard time. James Franklin has made Penn State a perennial top 15 caliber team, right? There's a reason why Michigan State, no offense to Sparty fans, but there's a reason why Michigan State kind of ruled the roost from 2011 to 2015. It's because Michigan was down. It's because Penn State was down. Ohio State was the only contender that, that could really match them. And, you know, Wisconsin at times was in there too. But there's a reason why Michigan State was able to, to really elevate in that time. The other evidence here that I want to bring up, people forget this. Jim Harbaugh at Stanford was remarkable. And again, he showed that he could build a program and he could build them to be competitive at the upper echelon very quickly. Stanford was not good when he got there. And they went they went four and eight, five and seven, eight and five, and then finished at Stanford twelve and one and number four in the country. And they won the Orange Bowl against who else? Virginia Tech. You want to know what the score of that game? It was 40 to 12. It was a murder. I mean, they just they just crushed him. Deve- you know, developed Andrew Luck, one, you know, one of the best quarterback prospects to ever come in the NFL draft. And so what does that mean? I think people, you know, I stuff's going to come out and the NCAA will probably do something with Michigan. I don't know what they'll do. But I I, I will say this. I don't think they're going to vacate the championship. I think if they do, it's not going to matter. Because we all know that they won it on the field. We saw them beat Alabama. We saw them really control the game against Washington. We saw them beat Ohio State. And by the way, all those wins were without Connor Stallions. So regardless of whether Jim Harbaugh knew, regardless of whether all that stuff, we can certainly, we can certainly acknowledge that Jim Harbaugh or that, that Connor Stallions and what he did aided the building of Michigan's program from very good to elite. I think we can acknowledge that, and I think that's fair. And I, I think to those the Michigan fans who, are, who don't think that's fair – you know, I think have some self-awareness. I think it's fair to acknowledge that. I don't know if it's fair to say, well, we should strip Jim Harbaugh of this national championship. Because regardless of what happened in 2021 and 2022, and yes, to build the program to where it is, you have to acknowledge that there was, there was something. But... You also have to acknowledge what Harbaugh accomplished with this year. Remember, whether fair or not, Harbaugh was suspended for no less than six games. He was suspended for the Ohio State game this year. He was suspended for Penn State at the 11th hour. And they won those games. That speaks to something that is more than just Spygate or Signgate or anything like that, and it's culture. 
Jim Harbaugh built a culture at Michigan. And I know it's cliche, but we're, you know, I was just talking about with Justin Adams about Nebraska. Culture ultimately is what, what gets you to that upper echelon and gets you those titles. It, you know, obviously you need talent. Obviously you need good X's and O's. But what you really need is a bunch of guys who, who love the heck out of each other and are going to fight for each other. And they're going to fight for their coaches. And that's what, as, as corny as it was at times, right? As corny as it was for Sharon Moore to be crying after Penn State because, you know, uh, the suspension. As, as corny as it might be of Michigan versus everybody. You know what? It doesn't matter if we think it's corny. It matters if those guys believe it. And they did. And you know how they, why they believe that? Because Jim Harbaugh, as quirky and weird as he is, he got them to believe. And that matters. Now, again, I'm not saying don't acknowledge the cheating side of this, and we'll get to that. But for anybody there that's only going to say, well, Jim cheated, so whatever, I, I just urge you, Yes, there, there was malpractice, but also I think especially for the year, because they didn't have anybody in the stands, I think you, you do have to give them some credit here. And I think you have to acknowledge the great, like the, how good of a job Jim Harbaugh did. And I'm, I'm not just talking about 2021 20, to 2023. I'm talking about 2015 through 2019, where he did build. And it's, it's a reminder that everywhere that Jim has gone, he has done a good job of building something and getting his teams to punch above their weight. So I'm, you know, I, I'm happy. I'll be honest, as an Ohio State fan, I'm happy to see him go. Um, I'll, be even, I'll be very happy if uh, Jesse Minner follows him through the door. I'll be very happy if Sharon Moore follows him through the door because that's been a great, it's been a great coaching staff. That, I think that's the, the other thing about Jim Harbaugh, and I'll say this before, before I talk about the future for Michigan. People have to remember, one other thing that Jim Harbaugh did that was incredibly wise, and I, I think it, it was probably very difficult, he cut bait with Don Brown. Remember, Don Brown was a good defensive coordinator, but he had limits, and his limit was the mesh routes from Ohio State. His limits was, you know, Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. His limits were upper echelon offenses. And, he, and Jim saw that, and he said, Don, I'm sorry, you got to go. And so he goes out and gets... Mike McDonald, and then he goes out and gets Jesse Minner. He gets Sharon Moore to, to really bolster that offensive line. And he said, I'm going to win my way. Tough, hard-nosed physicality, and I'm going to bludgeon people to death. And he got really good coordinators, really good support staff, and he built his, he built his coaching staff in, in a very good way. And so, I, yes, if, again, if, they, if you know the signals, that really helps you. Let's also just 
put it out there that Jesse Minner has proven that he's one heck of a defensive coordinator. And they shut down Washington. They shut down Alabama. They shut down Ohio State. And so that's that's another thing about Harbaugh. He built really good coaching staffs. And when there was a coach that could not get them to the next level, he was willing to cut bait with them, which is a very hard thing to do. Let's talk about Michigan and what this means for Michigan. Right now, there's, there's nothing out there about who is going to replace or who Jim Harbaugh is going to take with him. Um, the, the sources do seem to indicate, this is from ESPN.com, it does seem like they are focusing their coaching search, search on Sharon Moore. I, I think that's smart for a couple of reasons. One, Sharon Moore has already proven that he can coach, right? He's already been a head coach for a few games. Now, it'll be different because Sharon Moore had to be the head coach in-game and with game planning. He did not have to be the head coach week in and week out. He did not have to be the head coach with recruiting. He did not have to be the head coach um, in team management and culture. That was Jim Harbaugh. Now, obviously, Sharon Moore is part of that, but that is a new job, and that, I think, proves to be difficult for some people. So it's not necessarily a slam dunk, but I do think it's a smart hire for a couple reasons. One, remember that Jim Harbaugh built a very healthy culture. I think the biggest danger for Michigan is for a lot of people to leave out of the out of the transfer portal. Now, I think there's a couple things working in their favor for this. One, classes, you know, the, most colleges are all the way into their spring semester. So even if players wanted to enter the transfer portal, they're not going to be able to enroll mid-semester. Like they'd have to wait. And so remember, the, the rule is if a coach leaves, there's a 30-day 30, 30 window that opens up that players can leave kind of for free. I think the fact that it's already end of January, I think that makes it difficult for them to utilize that window. I think the other thing, though, is that because Sharon Moore is probably going to be the guy, there is a deep connection that a lot of players, even the defensive players, I think, they have with him and they want to fight for him. So I, I don't see a lot of guys heading to the transfer portal. Like I, I think I, I saw jokes about people getting Will Johnson and Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham. I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think they're going anywhere because of the culture. And you have to remember, too, people are talking about Michigan like Alabama. Michigan's not Alabama. And here's what I mean. A lot of people went to Alabama to be under Nick Saban. And a lot of people went to Alabama for the promise of a national championship and the promise to be coached by the best. They're flashy. They're the juggernaut. You know, they're, they're the white-collar people in football. 
That's not that's not Michigan. They're hard nosed. They're blue collar. They're gonna pummel you to death. That's their culture. And those guys typically don't leave. Like, yes, you have you have some, but like Roman Wilson, you know, guys like Roman Wilson, like they're not there to prove themselves as the diva wide receiver. They're there to punch you in the mouth. And not to say that Alabama people won't they, that they that team wouldn't punch you in the mouth, but it's a different culture, and so I I just don't think the makeup of this team is one where everybody's gonna have a mass exodus. I think you might see a couple guys go, but I I don't think Will Johnson's leaving. I don't think I don't think the defensive linemen are leaving. Like I just I, I and it's not like they didn't know that this was coming. Right? Certainly they were probably holding out hope that he was going to stay. But, I mean, it's been every year that Jim Harbaugh has interviewed for jobs. So, like, this, is, this was always a possibility. And so I, I would guess, and I will totally own this if I'm wrong, but I would, I would guess that most people are going to stay put. I think they believe in Sharon Moore. I think, I think they're going to, I think they're going to keep, most of their players and keep most of their roster intact. That's my that's my guess. I think from what I've heard, Jesse Minter is probably going with Jim. I think that's a big blow because I think Jesse Minter is one of the top young assistants in the game. And Sharon Moore is going to need to find a, a bright defensive mind so I think that that is a a struggle. I think the other struggle, you know, I think the infrastructure is in place. So I think Sharon Moore can kind of feel his way around. Your your roster is resetting a little bit, though. I think the defense could be one of the best defenses in the country next year if everybody stays. The offense, there's a lot of question marks. You lose your top six linemen. You lose JJ. You lose JJ McCarthy. You lose Blake Corum. You lose Roman Wilson. You lose Cornelius Johnson. You lay, you lose AJ Barner. I mean that's that that's not all your starters, but it's a lot of them. I think that's nine out of eleven. Donovan Edwards comes back. Colston loves Loveland comes back. But you lose a lot of depth, a lot of seniors. A lot of NFL talent. What does that mean for them going forward? I think I think it gets interesting because I think Penn State, you know, they had a I think a disappointing season with all the expectations, but they're not going away. I think Kotal Nicky is is a really good offensive hire. And I think they're gonna figure some things out. I think they could arguably have one of the best backfields in the country if Singleton and Allen get out of that sophomore slump. I think Ohio State has obviously reloaded, and we'll we'll talk about maybe their their sky high potential later on. I've done a lot of podcasts on Ohio State lately, and I th- my guess is the rest of you guys probably want me to talk about somebody else. So. I'm going to try to find other ways to talk about different teams. Um, but there is a reality that Penn State and Ohio State 
are probably more primed to take Michigan down at this moment. I think Oregon coming in has has a roster that's really tough. But I think if you look at the landscape of the new Big Ten, like I'm not sure. I think there's many other teams that threaten Michigan right now in the Big Ten. Like I, I would not be totally surprised if Michigan goes 10-2 and two and makes the playoff because it's now 12 teams. I wouldn't be surprised if you know they're able to to hang and and I mean at this point I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan beat Ohio State because they beat them for three straight years and they have the psychological edge. So I think I don't think Michigan's going away, but I think there's there's also a very clear reality that they have been building to 2023 for the past 3 years. Jim Harbaugh is gone. J.J. McCarthy is gone. Blake Corum is gone. You're not sure about Jesse Minner. You're, you're not sure about anybody else like coaching staff who might go with Michigan. So even if the roster stays intact, which I think it will, I think we're going to, A, I, I think we're going to see a dip in Michigan I think what's going to be crucial for if it is shown more is you've got to make some sort of splash over the next two to three years, whether it's beating Ohio State again, or I think it could be in terms of roster management, getting a, a few big transfers, getting uh, a couple of big recruits, showing that you're building and maintaining the roster like you did under Harbaugh. I think that's going to be key for them as they move forward if they want to keep momentum going. Uh, that being said, I I think it is. I I think it's very possible that twenty twenty three is maybe the peak of this run, and they kind of slide back to where they were twenty fifteen to twenty nineteen. That'd be my guess. Based on what's going on now, Sharon Moore could be a a hot young coach, and he ends up being a better recruiter and builds the cult and continues to build on that culture. That would not surprise me uh, either. But my guess is at least for the next two to three years, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of nine and three and ten and two. I think you're going to see them be a shade below. Uh, the elite teams, and and I don't just mean Ohio State, and I'm not I'm not calling Ohio State elite. I think they have the potential to be elite, but it's not just Ohio State. It's Penn State. It's Oregon. I think USC, if they can get their recruiting back, I think Washington is obviously a factor. I think Wisconsin and Nebraska, like. Don't sleep on what Matt Rule is going to be doing at Nebraska. Don't sleep at Wisconsin on Wisconsin, despite the fact that they underachieved this year. Like those, those are two, I think, very good coaches who know how to build blue collar programs. Very similar, I might add, to Michigan. And 
I think you're going to see that that dip. But because we live in the 12-team world, and because I think the Big Ten is going to have a lot more cachet, I think you're going to see Michigan sneak into a couple playoffs. Maybe as an 11 seed or as a 10 seed. But I and I wouldn't be surprised if if they somehow finish number two in the Big Ten, and then they're able to go to the championship game at least one of the next three years. So, bottom line, I think Michigan will take a a small dip, but I think they will still be relevant in the conference and national picture. And I think in those three years, we're going to really see can Sharon Moore get it back to the peak. Or are they going to maybe slide just ever so slightly? Now, this all is very dependent on what the NCAA does. Obviously, it's all dependent on what the NCAA does. If I had to guess, here's here's what I think is going to happen. I think, I don't think they're going to touch the championship. I don't think you can fire any coaches. Unless if you know for sure that Sharon Moore had direct contact with Connor Stallions and like knew was complicit in it, I do think they will vacate. I would not be surprised if they vacate twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if there is some sort of ban. Um. Or I should say, not ban, um, loss of scholarships. But I doubt that it's significant. Like, I, I could see it maybe being like 10 over three years. So, like, you're losing three a year, four a year. Um, like, I could see that. But I, I don't think it's... I don't think it's going to be as severe as people think it will be. I think it'll be more severe than Michigan wants to admit. But I don't think it's going to be as severe as people want it to be. And I I think a lot of it is you just, as, as much as you might want to nail them, you have to recognize that this year, it's, it's just hard to figure out what impact... 2021 and 2022 had on 2023. It's unquantifiable, right? It And that's what makes this so hard. Paying a player, you know, this is before NIL existed, but like paying a player was quantifiable in this regard. You could see their stats. You could see their impact on a game, right? People were very happy when Chase Young was suspended, because he was a force in college. And, you know, if he played those games and then realized that he was ineligible, it would make sense to vacate those games because he had like 16 and a half sacks that year. He was, he was dynamic on the football field. Um, it's not, it's, it's hard to know how this, how things are quantified. Which is why I was on the, the OHIO podcast the other day and people were asking, what, what do I think the sanctions are going to be? And I'm like, I just don't know. Because I think people assume that people assume 
the impact of the sign gate. And the reality is you talk to 10 different coaches, half of them will say it has a it makes a big difference. Half of them says it makes no difference. And so how quant like like obviously it gave them an advantage because Connor Stallions wouldn't have done this if it didn't give Michigan an advantage. Right? But how much of one? Like we just we don't know. So and then they beat they beat everybody in front of them without the help. And they beat Ohio State, they beat Alabama. They beat Washington. Like they they beat the hard teams on the schedule without the help of the the person giving them the signs. So I I just don't know how you punish them. I could see a, a small scholarship reduction. I could see like maybe a show cause for Sharon Moore, which I think that's the big one. I think if they they lose a couple scholarships, like it's it stinks, but like it's not I don't think it'd be that bad. I think if they lose Sharon Moore, they lose the link to the infrastructure of the program. That's what can wreck them. And then I think a bowl ban or a postseason ban would wreck them. But I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna gonna give them a post postseason ban. Um, so that that's my take. I I think Michigan overall. I think if you are looking for them to fade into obscurity like they were before Jim Harbaugh, I I think you're gonna be disappointed. I think if you're looking for them to continue the run of top three finishes and Big Ten championship every year and wins against Ohio State every year, I think you're going to be a little disappointed. I will say I I don't think they're going to go back to losing every year to Ohio State. I think, I think they have figured out their culture and how to be, in a sense, the alpha dog right now in that game. But I think to stay competitive in it year in and year out. So that a lot will depend on more and and hiring assistance, but ultimately I I think he's a good man for the job. And I I think Michigan, barring bad like really bad sanctions, I think they're going to be fine. That that's my two cents. Obviously, if the NCAA comes out and says, "Oh, postseason ban, vacated title, everybody's fired." Um, you know, loss of like 20 scholarships or something. Obviously that's going to change and we will have another emergency podcast when that happens, if that happens. But until then, I, I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be that, that drastic. So that I'm going to, I'm going to stop there. Thanks for listening again. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, uh, check us out, particularly on Spotify and also on YouTube. Uh, if you're on Apple, leave a review. If you're on Spotify, send feedback. I, I have been lax on responding to messages from uh, Spotify listeners, and I apologize. So um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but there's a, a Terps fan who who uh, asked me about the Terps beat in Auburn a few weeks ago. Uh, it was a heck of a win. Uh, really, really good win for uh, for Mike Loxley. And it'll be interesting to see what, what happens in the quarterback battle. Uh, I think I remember you talking about Cameron Edge. 
I, I was not super impressed by the quarterback play in general. Uh, I, I'm very curious to see what happens uh, in the future uh, with that quarterback battle. Um, and then I think it was Luke from Illinois. I'm sorry if I got your name wrong, but was just showing love for me, showing love to Illini fans. Uh, Illini fans, I I would love, I, I, this is true for every fan base, but Illini fans, I'm going to give you a task here. If there is a, a beat writer or a podcaster that you think you could connect me to, I'd love to get an Illini guy on this show um, to talk Illini football and to talk about the, the program. That's true for every fan base, by the way. I'm I'm trying to slowly get connected to more podcasters so that I can get them on here uh, to talk about each program because I know you guys want to hear about different teams and get more in depth. So again, like, follow, subscribe. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe, leave reviews, share this thing, share it on Twitter, share it on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter and follow me on Instagram. Uh, subscribe. And again, if you are interested in helping the podcast, uh, in a financial way, check out monthly, uh, monthly supporters. Uh, there's a link in the description below. We'd love to have you be a part of the big 10 football talk support system. So again, thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless.